0: Happy holidays, everyone at Sports Grid Nation. This is Desi here with you, bringing you another value bomb. And this one is going to be from life coach Chuck Kova. He ran marathons. He ran 5Ks. He ran ultras. Yes, that's 100 miles. He ran 50 milers. He ran Ironmans. He has gone the distance and back, people. And he brings some awesome insight into the mental game and the mindset of a long-distance runner and what that can do for us in sports. And we may throw in there some cool little tidbits about parenting and just overall life in general. This is an awesome episode, people. You need to listen now, right after the intro. If you're like me, you know that mental toughness is the secret to an athlete's success in sports and life, but you also see that there are huge issues starting to emerge. Like, why do so many athletes lack the mental toughness they need to succeed in their sport? Or, why is it that so few athletes make it to the collegiate level, let alone the pros? Or even, how dumb is it that as many as 60% of college athletes quit their sport before their eligibility is done? These are some of the blaring questions that we as athletes, coaches, teams, and sports parents all face today. This podcast will show you how true competitors like us here in Maynard Leadership's grit nation are waging war on average, and we aren't cheating by tapping into the power of the mental game. Follow this podcast while I expose the shocking methods and secrets I am using to help athletes master their mental game and push past average to that next level and stay there. Here's to the new tactics without all those old, rusty psychology shackles. My name is Desi, and welcome to Sports Grit Secrets by Manor Leadership. All right, what's up, everybody here at Sports Grit Nation? We got a treat for you today. We have Mr. Chuck Kova here with us, and I'm not going to highlight him too much. I'm going to let him tell his own story, but he's done some ultras, some fifties, some hundreds, some Ironmans, and a few more uh, little tidbits for you. And we're going to dive in today about the mindset and the mental game of long distance and some overcoming of adversity, which every athlete has faced at some point or another. And without further ado, I want to introduce Mr. Chuck Kova. Chuck, thanks for coming on today. Man, Desi, it's great to be here. I'm really excited. Thank you so much for the invitation. I'm excited about where this conversation may go. Uh- absolutely. 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 And the coolest thing, you know, for most of you listening is Chuck has become basically a master at what what I call my sports punishment, (laughs) my sports punishment.
1: One of my favorite cross country t-shirts is where it says on the back. Yes. My sport. My sport is your sports punishment. Yeah. Yeah. And
0: that I think is just I think it's awesome. Back then when I was younger, I don't think it was probably I didn't think like that. Now as an adult, actually one of my goals for 2020 that I've talked to Mr. Kova about is becoming a long distance runner because I think that it's something that I've disliked, hates too strong of a word, but disliked the most my entire athletic career is running or long distance cycling, swimming, whatever it is. So I think to overcome that and conquer it would be just a massive victory. You Amen. know, so like to me, it's like, man, what is it going to take mentally, you know, to be able to do this kind of stuff? And we'll, we'll talk about like, you know, music and different things like that. But I'm going to let Chuck jump in. I'm going to let him tell a little bit of his story. And then we're going to um drill him with some questions that he is absolutely ready for. So, Chuck, just tell us, tell us your journey when it comes to long distance. These ultras am sure it didn't start there.
1: No, absolutely. It's honestly a memory that i hadn't thought about in probably decades and when you said master by the way i was thinking i guess if he's talking about my age you know yeah yeah. (laughs) Uh, so yeah the journey goes back a long way but something i hadn't thought about is is you're being you being a football guy uh, i played little league football but that's where my football and days ended but it's funny because even back then when you had to do the you had to when we got in trouble, I just remember we had to run from the football field out around the backstop of the baseball oh, diamond yeah. right and run back and you think of this, this is this is little league, so this is like you know a middle school type sports field, not Absolutely. stadium, right? It had to go run around the backstop and then back again. that was our punishment for for whatever the coach wasn't happy with and even and back then, I'm thinking. Oh, that was, that was something I liked to do primarily (laughs) for me. It was still, I guess the competitive athlete was starting to come out because I always wanted to be the first kid back, you know? So that's like, I think when I was nine or 10 years old is probably when I stopped playing football, but by sixth grade, sixth grade, I was the heaviest kid in the school, in the middle school. And I know that only because we were required to participate in track and field and we all got weighed. So all the way up through eighth grade, I was a sixth grader, but I was heaviest kid in school. And my nickname, um, you know, like I said to you before, not that I harbor any ill will, I don't even remember the guy's name, Grant Fletcher, um, <laughs> but he gave me the nickname of Chuck Bad Chuck. And uh, and I was, man, I was I was more than pudgy. And uh, the story as it goes though, was I read a book and it was a story of this marathoner from some af- African nation that went, based on a true story, okay. went to run the marathon in the Olympics and got clipped so you know a guy behind him clipped his, his shoe he falls yeah. hits his head ends up getting taken out in an ambulance wakes up in the hospital and long story short he ends up checking himself out of the hospital takes a cab if i remember right back to the spot where he had his accident wow and starts running the race again yeah, well by this. then the stadium had cleared out but the yeah. news the news catches wind of this the next thing you know they're out recording they're out there covering the story and by the time he gets to the stadium to finish there's thousands of people that show back up, oh, and man. when they ask him, "So why did you do this?" He said, "Well, my country didn't send me to the Olympics to win the marathon. They sent me to the Olympics to run the marathon." So inspired by that and the original Rocky movie, well, oh, yeah, I, I started. I exactly, I started. Going man, out that's
0: Paul. That's a powerful story,
1: though. I mean, that and that's yeah. what started for me. But the thing is, I was so embarrassed being Chuck by Chuck. I went out at ten o'clock at night and I ran laps around my block. Like that day, you're saying Um, that season, I don't know about that day, but that's when it started. And I would literally go out at night at 10 o'clock at night. So no one see me. And that's when a runner was born. And by seventh grade, I was running track, uh, running the the half mile at that time was the longest distance that we had as middle schooler. And then I ran mile and two mile high school. And
0: so you did that late at night. So no one would see
1: you. you. Yeah. And ended up dropping a bunch away. It helped that I started growing. I grew, yeah. I grew up right, you're so in I that started, season of exactly. life. So you yeah. started, stretching, started out. stretching out for and, sure. Um, so that's how it started. Yeah. And then I think wow. I, I think I told you that I, I was the cross country team. I went to a small, okay, yeah, I, yeah. I went to a small school, school yeah. and we didn't, we weren't able to field a cross country team, but my basketball coach would drive me to these cross country invitational meets and just so I could participate.
0: So I was a team yeah. of one. But that's how, that's how I ran cross-country. So let me ask you this. Is this just popped into my head. Parent, Your parents. Mm. Did your parents ever think that you might go from Chuck Fat Chuck to a 100-mile ultra finisher? Oh, my goodness.
1: That's not a question I saw coming. I will tell you, my dad was a hard-charging, type-A business owner, overweight, three-pack-a-day smoker. Um, with parents that were alcoholics that created a lot of dysfunction. So there wasn't a lot of encouragement. Um, okay. In fact, um, I think I was 20 years old before my dad saw me run for the first time. Wow, okay. It it, it just didn't. And the only reason I remember that is because I remember driving home from there and my dad said, I don't think I've ever been in a crowd like that where no one else was smoking. He was so self-conscious mm-hmm. when he realized what was normal for him was very abnormal and yeah. in the running circles yeah so those running circles became you know normal for me and then from there i will say it had to fast forward a bunch of years but yeah there no my my folks never understood endurance events and they certainly didn't push me in that direction it was till i was well into my adult years before this um, was you. This was just You me. were your
0: motivator. You were your support system.
1: I really was. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so I mean, I, I mean, so you know, some of you athletes out there or, you know, single parents or, you know, whatever it may be, I mean, there's a testament right there. Right? All it takes is a strong will and you can go from chuck fat chuck Yep. to hundred mile ultra finisher. And
1: so there's, you know, maybe props to Dennis Smith was my basketball coach and he's the one that drove me to the cross country meet. So I some people
0: along I, the way that, amen,
1: cause yeah, um, yeah stories that I would tell you about my ultra days, there were always other voices yeah. that were very, very critical yeah. in the success.
0: So take us there from the sixth grade runner born. Yeah. Where did it go from there? Man, I started running
1: the roads um, when I was 20. So out of high school. And, uh, and it's funny because I was again starting to put on a little weight. So I joined a gym and this gym had an indoor track. And there's this guy oh, yeah. running laps on the track. And the competitor and me kicked off. And I thought, I'm going to chase that guy down. Well, <laughs> I, day one, I kind of tried to chase that guy down. I think by day three, I was puking in the corner trying to keep up with him. <laughs> yeah. and, Maybe uh,
0: he was a little veteran. And, he was a veteran. <laughs> and,
1: uh, absolutely. And well, the funny thing is, I think we both saw each other and, and, uh, neither one of us wanted to lose to the other guy. So it started out as this unspoken competition, but eventually we actually said hello to each other. And his name was John Lipford and he became my training partner for years after that. And that's he, a, that's awesome. John was always a step faster than me. yeah. Um, so it always gave me something to aspire to. And like my five mile PR um, I remember the day I had a goal of, of setting a personal best in the five mile distance. And, and John said, just stay on my hip because he could run that time, mm-hmm. and uh, and so he did. Uh, he ran that time, and I stayed on his hip. And then about four and a half miles into the five mile race, he pulled over and said, "Okay, finish it strong." Yeah, so yeah. You, you know stories like that. That's how I went to from the young uh, the young person running to the to running the roads, and then the day I used to have this poster, and it was a picture of a runner, but it's dark out, so you just see the silhouette of this runner under yeah. the street light and it's snowing. Okay. And then superimposed over that poster. It says, I used to think that people that ran in the rain were crazy. When I started doing that, I thought people that ran marathons were nuts. And here I am. It's five o'clock in the morning. It's snowing. And I'm out here training for a marathon. Yeah. That's often how it goes. It starts with this crazy idea to run a 5K. Yeah. And then fast forward a certain amount of time. and And you're doing something crazy like signing up for a marathon. And so I went through that same progression, 5K, 5 mile, 10 mile, half marathon, marathon. But again, it comes down to that inner drive. There was always a, um, I'm trying to think if I had to put it in like one word, it was, I guess it's that idea, what I've said to people before, and this is more about the ultras, that if somebody asks you the why question, no answer is going to suffice because there really are no words. If they ask the why question. It's just like, why do people climb mountains? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. it, there's probably no answer that could suffice. Well, even I think it's intrinsic. It's so intrinsic. So intrinsic. It's so, so
0: intrinsic that it's hard to even it's explain. hard to explain. Yeah, I, I run into that a lot.
1: And you so for, my, for me then, now becoming a coach, it's this idea that the why has to be so strong. Yeah. There has to be that inner fire. And you don't need to be able to explain it to anybody else. Right. But man, you have to be able to put your own Absolutely. finger on it.
0: Right, I mean that's a huge. That is a, an absolute um, truth bomb, no doubt. Right there to athletes, like you've got to know why. If you don't know why you're doing it, and you don't have to explain it to anybody else, right? Um, it, you know, if if you're working with me, I'm gonna challenge you on it. But when it comes down to it, it's got to be deep and it's got to be inside. You know, it can't be the trophy because the trophy, like. I've got trophies. You know where they are? In my basement in a box. That's right. Do I talk about the trophy? No. But I talk about everything that led up to the trophy. It's all about the journey. Yeah, absolutely. So what was the first big one, right? So did you start? So you ran marathon and then eventually went to the first Ironman.
1: Well, yeah. And I got into triathlon after a season of injury. And maybe that's relevant here, too, because I remember I had a stress fracture in my leg. And uh, so I went to the doctor. And I just remember the doctor throwing this book at me and literally threw a book at me. And he was like, look at page 78 or something like that. And I open <laughs> it up and, and it's a stress fracture. And, and he goes, you know what that is? I said, I know what you're going to tell me. He says, it's a stress fracture. And he says, you know what that means? And, you know, I'm like, no, I'm hoping you're going to tell me. He's like stress fracture is overuse, plain okay. and simple. You're doing too much. You're pushing too hard. You're not resting enough. Yeah, You know, you're not taking care of yourself, going to the whole idea of, how important rest is. And right yeah. the, when you're an athlete, it's the mind, it's the heart, it's, it's the body, it's the rest, yes. right, the fueling, all that. Well, I was becoming this crazy guy about running, man, just run more miles, run more miles. And then my body broke down. So that's what introduced me into triathlon. I'm like, I just need to cross train. And at first it was for recovery, but then it was this idea of triathlon. And I literally did not know how to swim Okay, well I could like not I could survive in the water.
0: You could not drown. I could not drown. Yeah. Um, but, but swimming is a whole other thing. Whole other exactly. ball. And I tell you I can contest to that completely <laughs> because I did that first try, triathlon. Oh sweet. and yeah. um I have a buddy who was a swim coach and he came in he just came in a couple of times and just helped me out and like it was it was a whole other, and I'm like I just thought you just swam. Yeah, no, 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 no. There's a lot of strategy and technique to swimming and in that, was that what, I knew nothing about.
1: And that was the fun part was because it was something so new. I had so much to learn, but I just kind of stunk you know, dug in on that. My very first triathlon. I was 97th out of 99 coming out of the water, and then I got on the bike. I was much stronger on the bike, so yeah. I passed a bunch of people and. uh and then I got on the run and that's my forte, right? So then yeah. it was really fun. And so it was, it's kind of cool that the race got better as it went along.
0: Yeah. Um, the I, swim. They all and thank, thank
1: the Lord. They start with the swim. Exactly. Right. Well, oh, that's why they start with this. Otherwise gosh. they'd be pulling too many people off the bottom of the, of oh, the lake. Oh yeah, so, totally. So, but here, I guess something else I hadn't thought about, frankly, just now. So this is my first race. I ended up finishing in the forties, you know, overall. So mid pack, I was crazy happy with that. After race, they're in the showers. And there's this this guy there, and he just asked me about my race. And I tell him, ah, oh, it was my first one. Your first race? No kidding. He gets all excited for me. Well, you got to do this and think about that. And he wished me well. Yeah. And then we go from the locker room out to where they're doing the awards. And they call the overall winner. And who is it? There's the guy. It's that guy. Really? He never once told me about his race. Never once told me he was the yeah. grand champion. But I'm like, if that's what a triathlete is, I want to be right that.
0: Right. And so I think we, we missed something here of you went from a stress fracture and you were running marathon length running marathon distance races right yeah so you went from that to i'm injured so now i can do that plus two other legs <laughs> right so uh-huh. tell me about that how did you yeah. overcome that injury and then figure out how to transition that into something even more difficult you know like what I- <laughs> I
1: think what it it does come down to what I, like I just said in that first race where I got to the run and that was my forte, all of the cross training, as I was healing, um, it was a lot of non-weight bearing at first. So yeah. Get in the water. Okay. Yeah. And, and I went to the Y and I, and I took swim lessons at the Y. So, and so I think what first enamored, there was, I was enamored with this idea of learning something new and then get on the bike. Well, I still remember um that the uh, that there was a friend of mine who also started a, a runner friend that started cycling. Well, he went out and did a century ride. Okay. And he was like, "God, ah, I rode 100 miles." And I'm like, "We can go out and run 20 at the ho- drop of a hat. How hard is it to run to ride 100 miles?" Yeah. So I went out, and got a bike, and we a bunch of us got together and we did this July 4th I forget what it was called, but it was a century ride on July 4th, 100, 100 miles first 70 went great and then reality set in oh, and man. oh my gosh did it hurt but i got through it and that too it started it, it created a new a new spark right a new interest and then by the time i did the triathlon i i dropped a bunch of weight because when i got injured i started putting on the yeah. weight again and on that first day that first triathlon man and it was it was like somebody shone a light in an area that i didn't even know ever existed And so I guess you'd say at that point, a triathlete was born. And when you finished that first time, I finished that first, that finish line was so sweet. And then from there, you started doing the longer distance stuff. And, and then eventually for me, I love the word Epic. I don't use it a lot, but what really scratches my itch is what are you going to do next? That's Epic. Yes. And, and then for me getting into the why thing is most every Epic event, like that first Ironman, uh, and in races that, that followed, um, even some of the marathons, I'd do them as fundraisers. Okay. I'd, I'd find a cause yeah, so that it was about something bigger than me.
0: Yeah. And, um, and that's what which gives me. you insane motivation, yeah, exactly. which is, which is sometimes I even find it weird. Like for myself, it's the same way. Yeah. You know, for if I'm running for somebody else or for something bigger than me, I'm, ex- I'm way more motivated. I mean, it's not even comparable. Yeah. Yeah. And I and it's it's a it's a really interesting phenomenon of you talk about that why. You know, it it needs to be something bigger than a trophy. Yeah. It needs to be something bigger than a college scholarship. A lot of them listen, you know, we're gonna get a scholarship, we're gonna get a scholarship, we're gonna get a scholarship. You know, why? Why? You know? And I and I love it. I do something with my athletes, I call it seven levels deep. Oh yeah. Um but it ends up usually going like 13 levels oh. deep, you know, and the connections there when you see an athlete finally figure out why they're actually playing a sport. Mm-hmm. It's they're like, wow, I never would have imagined that, you know, they didn't even you, to see them kind of light up and figure out, you know, what? like I've dealt with an athlete before that. I mean, 13 levels later, they found out that their religion is really the basis for why they're playing this sport. Because they thought that they think that the sport will help them be to be successful, and being successful will help them to help other people, and that all rooted from a religion. Yeah, how huge was that to get there? Right, that athlete was like mind blown. Dropped the mic, you know, and it was like I didn't do anything. I just said "why" thirteen times. You did. You came up with it, man. I didn't do nothing. (laughs) That's,
1: That's one of my favorite kind of quotes that introduces running is the saying that if you want to experience running. Go run a mile. Yeah, if you want to experience life, go run a marathon. And the point in that is,
0: oh, I'm hooked now, man. I'm hooked. In that there
1: is so many ups and downs. There, there in that long run, there are moments where it's literally like mountaintop experience, where everything feels right, and you've got this clear vision, and and you just are fired. And then a few minutes later, you're like chewing on your tongue, staring at your toes. What do you might be like three minutes later (laughs) And you go through these cycles, and and each time there is the high, the mountaintop experience is a reminder to celebrate. How much do you have to celebrate? How many you know when you have that that ability to look out and see all your blessings and this the fact that I get to do this. Yeah. And then when you're down in the valley, when you're like, why am I doing this? That's where that the whole idea of mindset and perseverance and
0: character building. Yeah.
1: Character is a muscle just like any other, right? Mm, absolutely. And, and and so the the marathon, the ideal there is you learn so much about yourself in those, in that. And that to me is I is always been the draw for the endurance sport. Is I learn something about myself. With every extended effort, I come back a different person because there's another. Uh, there's another doubt to face up to. There's another mm-hmm. skeleton in the closet yeah. that needs to be wrestled with, um, you know, stuff you, you asked about my dad and, and that brought up all my dad's been gone 21 years now this last month. And, and, uh, and, and even thinking all, all of a sudden, all these memories, how many times I just wish my dad was there Yeah, and, and stuff like that. And you had to wrestle with all that stuff. Absolutely. Right. And so that to me is, is where the, 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 uh, alt the, the distance, The endurance sport comes that draw because it helps to answer the why question. Yeah, It helps take you to that really, really deep place of ultimately what's important. Another one of my favorite sayings is it's not it's not about if something goes wrong. (laughs) Yeah. And then how are you going to respond to it? Yeah. And there are days when you're going to be like, I'm just going to take my football and go home.
0: Yeah. Right.
1: But you know what? That's not, you know, we want to grow beyond that, right? And so in, yeah, in the sport, that's ofathlon, actually,
0: yeah, that's actually one of the things that I talk about in one of my, one of my main talks is, you know, if I wouldn't have had a, a, a tiny conversation with my dad when I was in third grade, I may have not, you know, almost played football as a career, right? I mean, literally one conversation in third grade led me to a 17-year football career, right? Paid for school, you know, gave me opportunities I never would have because of one little conversation. If that would have been a different conversation, I wouldn't have played football a fourth day, you know? And it's like, man, that's huge, you know? And the same kind of thing. but So I think that leads us into a good thing of your second Ironman. So the second one I've heard didn't go as well as the first. Tell us a little bit about that.
1: So. Uh, the second Ironman was um, Louisville, Kentucky, and it was an August race. It was
0: ninety,
1: dis, 90 oh degrees. Oh my gosh! Ninety-six degrees. Oh my and gosh! It was either ninety-six and ninety percent humidity, or vice versa. Maybe Even 90 running 90 a five
0: k in that is oh difficult.
1: So the the and the water the the water was so warm you couldn't wear a wetsuit. Um, it's I forget what the, the, I think the threshold is like 78 degrees. So if it's under 78, you can wear a wetsuit, which helps with buoyancy, you know, confidence. But the water was so warm, it felt like bathtub, you know, and and so that was even hard. Um, And I frankly, long story short is I didn't really. Okay, here's I guess maybe the lesson in this is. I had a fueling plan going into race day. Yeah. I had to talk about hydration, food, hydration, calories. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's a, it's a, I was, I was shooting for a 12 hour, a sub 12 race.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I think so, this is something definitely that the parents and the athletes need to hear about this so, preparation.
1: I had nine months of training up for that one race, six okay. months of focus training. So three months of real base. And then, so six months focused on that one day. And by that time you've got everything dialed in. Oh, yeah. What yeah. calories, when, what type of calories, liquids and that, and, and then I get there and it's 90 degrees and it's just crazy humid out. And the mistake in hindsight, the mistake is I stuck to my plan. OK. Instead of saying. So it, you're it saying
0: is. your plan was maybe not for 90 degrees not for 90 degrees.
1: And um, by the time I got to 80, 80 miles on the bike. Um, I literally, there was an aid station, and so I, I I was cramping so bad. and It was a fairly hilly section of the bike course. I so just remember that I was having trouble getting the foot up over the top of the pedal oh as gosh, I was climbing, because wow. every time I'd pull up, my leg would cramp. So cramp on the right, then cramp on the left. And so we get to the top of this hill, and there's an aid this, station. This is not like two or three cramps. It's like hundreds this is like, of cramps. Exactly. You know? yeah. Yeah. This is the whole leg going into total spasm yeah. every time. Yeah. Every rotation. Like at any the point, bike. the whole body can lock up. Exactly. Yeah. So I get, I actually got off my bike at that aid station and, and they put me in a, in a lawn chair, like a camp chair. Right. And they packed my lap with ice <laughs> trying, yeah, yeah. and they're pouring water down me and pouring water on me. And and I was obviously already de- dealing with dehydration. after a few minutes of sitting in a chair. I'm like, I really got to roll. So, I get back on the bike. Uh, the bike course in an Ironman is 112 miles. So, from 80 to 112, I was just kind of in survival mode. And the the most poignant memory is so I get off the bike, go through transition. That's
0: 32 miles of survival mode. <laughs> just, he, he's being very nonchalant with that. Okay. Uh, 32 miles of survival mode. Right. So, That's like.
1: So we get in so then I get into my running shoes and I head out of transition and I remember seeing my wife waiting for me there outside of transition and I just told her, babe, you better settle in. It's gonna be a long day. Uh, <laughs> so any goal, any time goal was out. It was finished. And now it's finished. And so afternoon became evening and then became dark.
0: So the how week, many miles is the run?
1: The run is twenty six point two. It's okay, a full marathon. So full marathon. Full marathon. So 2.4 mile swim, 112 miles on the bike, and then you get to go run a marathon. And, um, and I was doing this walk-jog thing, just trying to survive. Um, and like I said, I, I, by then, the problem on the marathon really wasn't about sticking to plan. It's that I was starting to get such nausea that I couldn't take in calories. Gotcha. So, so I was just trying to hang on. And the second half of that marathon, it's pretty fuzzy memory. But what I do remember is I had an aid station every mile. So I was just trying to go from aid station to aid station. And I get then take
0: in more calories, more water. Take in
1: whatever I could, yeah, yeah, okay. a little Coca-Cola, try to settle a tummy, yeah. you know, water, Gatorade, whatever you could do. Um, and so now I remember coming up on this one. It was a light pole, but the pole was gone. So it's just the cement, okay. just the cement block um, that used to hold the light. And there's a guy sitting on it, a spectator. And I asked him, dude, do you mind if I sit there? And he's like, oh, and he could tell I look bad, right? He's yeah, like, absolutely. Right. So I sat down on the block. I put my head in my hands. I'm like, just, you know, trying to kind of pull myself together. And the guy says, well, you know, just a couple blocks up is the last aid station. Well, that couple blocks up, that last aid station was 25 and a half miles. So 0.7 from the finish line. And I got up from that block. I took a couple, three steps. And the next thing I remember is I woke up in the medical tent.
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: I literally face planted on the road. Um, they, called, they called support. Um, I guess I told the guys, just help me up. Just help me up. And they literally helped me out to my feet and then I just crumpled again. And so that's when they put me in the ambulance and drove me to the medical tent and put a couple oh, IVs in me. And my day was done. So 140.6 mile race and I made it 139.6. Oh,
0: man. One mile shy. One
1: mile shy after oh, nine man. months of training.
0: So and- do you think that. Do you think it was a mistake sitting down? Or do you think you were literally about to fall was, anyway?
1: I think I was probably on my way out anyway. I think the mistakes earlier in the day all compounded.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So and, where was your head at oh when you sat on that post? Like put us put I, us in yeah. that in that frame of mind. Right? You're like literally one mile away. Yeah. And you gotta sit down. Like, where was your head? What were you thinking? What, you know, what was, what was going on in the mind, right? Okay. Because bo- the body's one thing yep. you've trained because you've trained yourself, right? I, a lot of times I tell my athletes, right? It's not about what the body can do necessarily. Once you tell your mind, once you have your mind, tell your body what to do, your body can go way further than you most yep. naturally want to. You've went past that point, right? And and you if, mastered
1: that piece. And if, if you, I'm going to be completely honest with you earlier in the day. Um, on the marathon course, I remember catching somebody else I knew. And so I went from the survival shuffle to actually trying to do some running. And I remember the logic I was using was it hurts to walk. It hurts to run. I might as well run and get it over with faster. Okay. And, and then there was another level when I saw somebody I knew, And it was—I hate to admit this—but it was the competition of as as bad as I hurt right now. I got to finish in front of him, Uh and by the time I got to that cement block, um, I was so trashed. I literally was having trouble with left foot, right foot, repeat. Yeah, and um, and yet the embarrassing thing here is I tell the story, but I'm hoping that it would be of value. Is I was 14 hours into the race at that point, Uh and my goal time was to finish under 12. I think what I was wrestling with. Was the missed goal
0: really? And to do, I it, was not expecting that
1: to do it over again. um Honestly, I had put so much pressure on myself to make the time goal because the first one, Ironman Wisconsin, was all about just finish. Yeah. So two years later, i
0: probably had, had a frame, exactly a time frame. And but right. in this one, you had a and this one I had goal. a goal.
1: And I think I was really, I was, I hate to admit it, I was disappointed in myself for not handling the day. Right. And missing the target. And, and so I was wrestling more with why can't you just, and that's, I think why I'm so passionate about it now is celebrate the journey, celebrate yeah. the, the milestones. And, um, and in that moment, I don't know that I've ever even told anybody this, like, cause I, there's all kinds of other that's ways the of paint I the love story.
0: to get to on this podcast. And
1: I'm sitting on that block thinking basically, I don't want to say, you know, I was calling myself a loser, but I'm sitting on that block thinking, man, you just, you blew it. And, yeah. and that's, and I look back now and I'm like, oh, that was so misguided. So misguided.
0: Do you think that actually played a role in communicating to your body to shut down?
1: Yeah. Without question. Yeah. I think thoughts are things. Yeah, and, and, and we manifest, you know, what we, what we think about, we bring about. And if I'm sitting there yeah. on that post thinking negative thoughts, you're setting yourself up. Now I didn't necessarily have that level of, Mindset maturity back then. Yeah.
0: But right, looking back right. on
1: it, absolutely. Well,
0: now without that, you need to now, I mean, yeah. that's all a, grow, a growth piece for sure. For sure. So, so that, I mean, that is quite the lesson right there. So that would be my gift of is, even that far, finishing Iron Man, uh, you know, one mile from finishing and take a seat and think negative thoughts, right? Because of the expectation that you had placed yeah. on yourself, right? To even to that level, people. Um, you know, listeners to have reached it, you know, gone that far and still have that, you know, expectation and those negative thoughts. And then now to realize you've grown from it, obviously, um, to make that connection of in that moment, and this happens all the time in sports and athletes of your mind, literally started to shut your body down and did it. I mean, it was the, it, for lack of a better, it was the nail in the coffin, really, yeah, at that is. point. I mean, you
1: think about it, I think your, your mind is, is wanting to protect your body. Right. Yeah. So if, you're, if you're letting it think the negative thoughts, the mind's going to say, okay, then All right, I'm right. going to go into defense yeah. mode here. Sympathy. I'm going to. It's I'm like gonna, sympathy. Yeah. Basically. And so, yeah. So that idea of, um, if you don't mind, I'll, I, I'll tell you what, I will um, I'll tell you when I shifted from there, <laughs> I, I did an ultra marathon, a 50 miler, and it was supposed to be a bucket list. And I thought one and, and that's done. where you went from
0: this DN
1: from this DNF was actually between these two. So it okay. was it was between the two Ironmans. I uh, the, the fun part of the story is I wanted to do an ultra just to say I did one yeah. one and done. So an,
0: all f- running This is all, all running. running. Yeah.
1: And anything longer than a marathon is considered an ultra. Yeah. So entry level to the ultra is a 50K 31 miles sign up for the 31 miler. I didn't even train for it. I was training as an Ironman. I'm like, if I can do an Ironman, I can certainly run a marathon plus five miles. Okay. Yeah. The uh, pick packet pickup. And I'm thinking to myself, if there's that competitor in me again, <laughs> you know what, if you're going to do this, you should just do it right. So I tell the guy, a packet pickup. Why don't you move my name from that 50K to the 50 mile list? He said, "Are you sure?" I said, no do it anyway so <laughs> no but uh, do it anyway <laughs> so my first my first ultra was a fifty miler with no more than a twenty mile training run in me and uh and it was epic here's that epic thing right, and it was a journey this was just a journey to finish
0: and um because you know we're from fifty k to fifty, 50 miles, miles literally so, pack a pickup day exactly okay, that's quite
1: the decision. So the next morning I'm out there and I'm just trying to take it a mile at a time. Trying, frankly, not to quit, and uh, and my wife was there, amazing, and my daughter, amazing support crew. Thirty-seven miles in, I'd come through the, and it's all trail. This this is it's a crazy race with swamps and lakes and river crossings, backcountry and, trails, and yeah, exactly, okay. single track, nasty, gnarly trails. And and thirty-seven miles in, I come out of this swampy section, and um, and a little while down the road, there's a checkpoint. And my shoes had turned into mud bricks by then. And my wife, who does not like dirt, who's out there all day in the woods with me getting eaten alive by mosquitoes. Yeah, She kneels down to change my shoes. And I start bawling like a baby. And she's like, are you OK? What's up? And all I could say but through, through this, you know, this, I was just this mush ball, which has a lot to do with it being an ultra. Yeah. And all I could say was, I love you so much. Now, why is that relevant? What's relevant is what I learned in Ultra is there's no masks. You literally are putting everything into left foot, right foot, repeat. And so every mask is taken away to where if somebody asks you how you're doing, you're gonna tell them.
0: Right, the truth. Exactly. Yeah. And so
1: the fast that was 37 miles. I struggled in. I got to the finish line. I finished, it was amazing. My most poignant memory from that race is that moment. Why? Because yeah. I'd been married 20 years at that time. And what that revealed to me was I was kind of on cruise control in my marriage. Yeah. And I that was a moment when like I I really do love my wife. What an amazing revelation. And and I don't want to take it for granted anymore. Mm-hmm. But it was still a bucket list thing, right? So I shifted back into Ironman mode, yeah. put on my competitor hat, yeah, going to go after Louisville, and then I DNF at Louisville. We had plenty
0: of miles to continue yes. thinking. <laughs> absolutely,
1: absolutely. So coming out of Louisville, I, what I, I wrestled with things like the fact that my sister flew up from Florida, my family came to the race, yeah. and and I felt like I disappointed them.
0: Yeah.
1: So I wrestled with all that. I wrestled with, like I said, I I was wrestling with myself. I didn't ever tell anybody about. How I feel like I set myself up mentally because yeah. I didn't play the mental game right, let alone the physical. Mm-hmm. The, the physical game of I did I didn't change my fueling to to match the weather conditions. Yeah. But mentally is where I was I was, you know, set myself up. So then after that, this ultra bug came back. And I'm like, I couldn't explain it, but I'm like, I I was drawn back to it. And why? It was the massive thing. Of that moment. It was that thing. Yeah. It's like, there's so much to be learned in the long run, and um, and as crazy as it sounds, the next thing you know, I'm talking about doing 100 miles, and and if 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 you guys, if those that are listening could see me, I am not your stereotype. I am not the runner. When you think, <laughs> when you think like Kenyan. Tall and lean. Okay. I, I was Chuck Fat Chuck. Okay. Yeah. So I'm not a small guy. Um, and so to carry that through 100 miles is kind of a crazy idea. But through the training and, it, and all the other training races that I did to get ready for the 100 mile distance, it was such an he, am- I got this is when I made that comment earlier about why do people climb mountains? Yeah. Here's my thing not everybody's a runner. Some people are mountain climbers. Yeah. For me, that long distance run was a place where I could ask really hard questions about who I was Mm, and why I was. Some people find that climbing a mountain. um, Yeah. I believe some people may find it literally just sitting in a boat at sunrise Mm -hmm. on a glassy still Lake in the morning, just them and their thoughts and their fishing pole. Right. Yeah. The point is, is not everybody's made to be a runner, not everybody's made to be a mountain climber, but everybody's got to figure out what their thing is. Yeah. And when we talked about your audience here and the fact that you're, you're a coach to kids, but how much you interact with the parents too.
0: Oh, absolutely.
1: Oh, my goodness. This is where I think it's so important as a, as a parent. If we don't take care of ourselves, we're not going to be any good to anybody else. Well, think about as a parent, not only physically taking care of yourself, mm-hmm. but man, when, when we as parents show up. And we're playing our a game Yeah. when we're asking questions of purpose and passion yeah. and, and who am I and why am I here? And, and that, I, I, Oh, I just feel like that will light your kids up too. Absolutely. And now I'm Absolutely. a, now I'm a grandpa and it's like, I, I, I want to instill that kind. Of, so the long run for me was this place to go and ask the hard questions. It started with that revelation of my wife. I love you so much. And honestly, a lot of the the runs, though the masks that I dealt with, it was the junk, it was the it was the stuff that I, the Chuck Fat Chuck stuff, yeah, and 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 the doubts and the fears and the junk that I carried that a lot of times I didn't even know was there, until it came up in a long run, and
0: it would show up as a moment of doubt. So tell like, tell us about that, like you know what goes through the head. I mean, honestly. I mean, just being raw honest, the longest I've ever ran is 5.7 miles, Mm -hmm. right? And there was like, I felt like it was like 5.7 days. (laughs) Like the amount of thought, like I went through, I felt like I had literally reflected upon my entire life, right? When probably I just began, right? Because it probably takes that amount just to even just get through the junk. Right. Um, But... So just walk us through, like, what's the okay. first, so, like, yeah. mile? And then you know, okay. all of a sudden, you know, how do you get from mile one to mile 37? You know, yeah. that whole process, you know, because your body's just kind of, it's rolling, right. right? I mean, you're probably, you've trained your the physical piece so much that you're pacing, you know, and it's just left yeah, foot there's, right there's foot
1: Yeah, And that's the funny thing is, honestly, too, is I had put a note out to my running community Before the 50 mile, my first ultra, I sent out an email. Okay, I just decided to do this crazy thing. I'm running 50 miles tomorrow. What any last minute advice? And some people wrote me books. Do this. Don't do that. Eat this. Don't eat that. Blah, 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 blah. And one gentleman wrote me back a one line email and it said left foot, foot, right foot, repeat, repeat. I love it. That is, I tell you what, man, there are seasons in life, in your relationships, in your job, in your finances that sometimes, man, you know what? It's not always Hallmark movie ending. Sometimes it's left foot, right foot
0: repeats. Oh, so that's so true. And that resonates with me so much because I went through some really tough times when I played at Eastern Michigan. mm -hmm. And I remember, you know, having conversations with my dad with that, you know, that quit bug. You know, those yeah. self-doubts, those, you know, self-sabotage, all of that stuff, you know, and it came down to, there was probably a whole year when it really came down to, when I really think about it, left foot, right foot, repeat, and, left foot, right and that foot, That goes repeat. back to building the
1: character muscle. We may not see it in the moment, Absolutely. but it really has, it has long-term, it's a, it's a, it's a it's got a long-term benefit right so oh, to your to your question I, I guess what i'd zero in on is the 100 mile experience so again months and months of training and i did a bunch of train. there's all kinds of stories you could tell about the training and this and but i show up on race day and um the race starts at 4 p.m and by eight or nine o'clock it started raining and by 11 o'clock at night it's pouring it's a trail run so the yeah. trails turning into rivers it's dark it's raining and um and I'm starting to lose it. And I remember getting to this one. What time, do you mean by lose it? Like, again, mentally, physically, I was hurting. Okay. Energy was low. And what I know now is my body it was 11 o'clock at night. My body's going it was right to you.
0: bed. Yeah.
1: And so literally there, your circadian you know, rhythm was is, shutting down. Exactly. Yeah. So you're, you're pressing through that. And I remember I get to this, this, the, this, the tall, tallest climb on the, on the course. It's a six lap course for this hundred miles. And I had to walk the climb. And I was like, and that was like no, granted, the the beauty of ultras is two things for me when I get into ultras. A, I got to learn to run slow. Okay. That was the that was the growth in me as that competitive guy that always had to chase everybody down. Yeah, yeah, Frankly, yeah. one of my mantras when I was running the roads was chew them up, spit them down. them up, spit them out. That's what I was always run zero to the next, the next person guy. in front of Chew them up, spit it out, chew them up, spit up. And now ultra all of a sudden it's like, no, em- embrace the walk. Embrace okay. going slow. This is just about getting to the end. And so I was learning that. But I get to this hill and I had to climb. I had to walk the hill and I was completely gassed. And I'm like, what's going on? It was 30 miles and it was three miles from the from the start finish. Yeah. So I got three miles. I walked most of that three miles. I took in all the calories I had thinking it was a calorie thing. And I'm sitting there wrestling with the quit bug, as you called it.
0: Yeah.
1: So I get to the start finish area and my buddy Tim had showed up. And he's going to go run some miles with me. So we had out eleven o'clock at night. thirty-three miles in the race. This was my first, like, really wrestling moment with the quit bug. And, uh, and we're running down this trail with Tim. And uh, and Tim's Tim's a dad of boys. Okay. So we're eleven o'clock at night. We're we're running through splash 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 to this mud. And, and Tim says, "My boys would think this was so cool." Instant reframe. Yep.
0: That's right. I get to do that. I'm this. good for 20 more miles this now. It's silly, yeah. and it's fun, and let's
1: enjoy it. And next next thing you know, we're telling stories, and we're laughing, and we're having yeah. a good old time. So the, that the first, in terms of that mindset thing, it was, I needed the help from the outside, I guess you could say, right? Yeah. But it was just a simple, it was a moment, one just thing. one moment, and all of a sudden, everything changed.
0: Yeah.
1: So then after that, I carried, I, it was a long day, obviously. Um, well, the next moment was after lap five. And so now I'm whatever that is, 83 and a half miles in. So
0: now you're on your last loop.
1: I'm starting my last loop. I come in from lap five. And that was at the end of each lap, I let myself sit in a chair. That was my goal. Every 16.6 miles, I get to sit down. So I sit down and again, go into the mask thing. The first story I told is embarrassing is talk about crying. I've become a crybaby since I started doing ultras um, and because again, everything is just peeled away. Oh,
0: absolutely. So
1: now I'm, I'm some, I'm some, whatever it is, 17, 18 hours into this race. And, uh, and I sat down in the chair and I just started a ball. I yeah. put my, put my head in my hands. Cause I didn't want anybody to see. Yeah. And my wife now n- not down next to me and said, asked if I was okay. And all I could say was don't make me go out there again. Here's the reframe. Here's that Epic thing again. What does she say? Remember, this is about something bigger than yourself. It was the why that got me out of that chair.
0: Yeah,
1: We had raised money for, um, for, for RA, Rheumatoid Arthritis Research. Okay, yeah. Because a friend of ours is just- so you didn't tell me about this. With RA, and she's got the heart of a lion. If her body allowed her, she'd be the marathon runner, but her body doesn't. Mm-hmm. And yet, this woman, you will never know. She's in chronic pain, and she's always wearing a smile. She's always out to serve others. And and you never know it. Well, she was my cause. Like, we're going to raise money to fight that monster that you're fighting. So she was my why in that case, if you will. In that moment, my wife said, remember, this is about something bigger than yourself. So then got me out of the chair. Mm -hmm. And I started walking. Well, now Casey, a friend of mine, she'd come to run that last lap with me. She was going to be my pacer for the last lap. She sees this. She doesn't hear it because it's between my wife and I. Yeah. She sees it, and she. she probably
0: of, sees it in your eyes too. You can. I so mean, we're walking
1: away, and her question was, "Are you hurt?" I said, "Everything hurts." Yes, <laughs> but no, I am not hurt. I'm not injured. Because I'm not injured. Yeah,
0: I'm and, hurting, but I'm not injured.
1: And she said, "Okay, let's do this thing." And then for the next four mile, four hours, as we went that last lap, um every, she, we walked every hill. But as soon as we crest, she'd say, "Okay, you can run this." And that's the next thing that was burned into my brain. Okay, you can run this. Okay, you can run this. Okay, you can run this. <laughs> and some four hours later we finished that last lap. I crossed the finish line. Hundred miles. Even now, as I sit here, I'm like, I, I can't even I it's I don't even know how to comprehend the fact that I did it. Yeah. But it was again, it was there was so much richer and there was so much depth to that experience beyond the race mm-hmm. itself. Um so the idea of embracing the walk, um learning how to run slow yeah having these voices the voice of tim telling me about his boys and my wife and it's just there's so much it's so much more than a running race at that point right i yeah, guess that's, that's my point is and when we're parenting and when, when we're in the, when we're the athlete ourselves man if we have an opportunity to take a step back and look at the wider picture mm-hmm. that's a gift the fact that you and i are sitting here Right, that's fact, a gift, you right and I there. are sitting yeah. here getting to know each other these last couple of months. That to me is such a God thing. It's like we were it's brought awesome. together. It's awesome, and um, and we're learning. You
0: and we at met a, at a church. We met at a church at, at both at a, of our at churches. A vision conference, yes. How at appropriate! A vision, conference. At a vision
1: conference, yeah. And and in, in our we're both on on kind of in the same lane, but but unique, right?
0: Same lane, but totally different. You know, roads.
1: And you're <laughs> like, what, half my age? So you're learning stuff a lot faster than yeah. I am. So congratulations.
0: <laughs> oh, I don't know. I don't know. Um, so I, I want to go from this 100 mile, right? So you actually, so there was 26 finishers.
1: Yeah.
0: And you placed. It was fifth. You placed fifth. So the vast majority dropped. So there's this every
1: like I said, it was six laps. And so there's the the board, right? Where they have all the, and every time I come through there, you see the more and more DNFs on there. And some people, when I tell them that story, they think, oh, that had to be so hard. I'm like, no, that was inspiring. Like, yeah, I can see that. I can see that. As soon as I that. take a step yeah. through this tent, I'm one step. I was able to take one more step. Than those people. Than those people. And at that at that point, they'll understand that that, when I talked about the competitive guy earlier, this was a different guy. This was me taking a step and celebrating it. If you will, it wasn't about the other athletes that they didn't finish. And I was going to keep going. There was, by then there was a transformation that was happening Mm. in me. Like I was being gifted with this opportunity. Yeah. What are you going to do with that? And that to me was, and that's where even the pain and oh my goodness, there was pain. Right. But wow, I just couldn't not do it. I couldn't not do it.
0: Yeah, and that's a thing. That's a thing. It sounds weird, but that's a thing. I couldn't not do it. That's, you know, it it sounds cliche and doesn't, you know, it's a thing. I couldn't not do it for sure. I totally know exactly what you mean. If you're an athlete, you know what that means. I couldn't not do it. Yeah,
1: and so when people ask me about getting into coaching, um, it really, it, it did. It came down to that idea of, Pastor Jim likes to talk about what kills you, what thrills you. Yeah. So the kills you is what breaks your heart. What can you not do something about? Right. And then what, what, what thrills you, what's your passion? Well, for me, what kills me is, and I'm not, so I'll tell you guys that, you know, listeners, I'm a 53 year old married dad of two grandfather of three. And as I got into coaching, what I saw, what broke my heart was the default living, get up, go to work, come home. As I say, excuse me, if this is inappropriate. Get up, go to work, come home, kiss the wife, kick the dog, watch some TV, get up and do it again the next day. We were made for a lot more than that.
0: A hundred percent.
1: And once we know that, I really believe that that just went from opportunity to responsibility.
0: Yes. Yes. I like that. And
1: so as a coach, what really inspires me is to help people know who they are, Mm -hmm. you know, meaning their gift and their talent and their passion. And then what do they want? Like, how, how do yeah. I turn that into action?
0: Right.
1: And then the question, the hard question, why don't you have it?
0: Mm, yes.
1: So then let's go after it. Yeah. That to me is, is all of this, all these years of running. I think it, it just, it took a lot of my own personal bumps and bruises and DNFs and, and whatnot to yeah. get me to that place where I school finally figured out it is school hard knocks. And, and, and yet now I sit here and I'm thankful for every one of those. And that's, so the DNF stands officially for did not finish. I also like to call it did nothing foolish. <laughs> some days, some days you have to know when to pull the plug
0: yeah, so that you I can agree. come
1: back and fight again another day. And, and so as a coach, sometimes I get to be that, like if you're beating your head against the wall, sometimes you have to ask yourself, is it, is this really the, the right path? Like yeah. is the wall eventually going to give way? Yeah, or is there maybe another path? And that to me is like the DNF. And and so that idea of get being gifted with talent and opportunity as again as an adult, especially, Mm -hmm. too many people wake up in forty something and go, oh my gosh, how did I get here?
0: Yeah, oh my gosh, yes. And
1: I desperately, I desperately would. I love the idea of coming alongside people and help them see that. Yeah. And and as that's as me as a runner, like when when Desi sends me a text and says, hey, I think I'm going to give this long distance running thing again. I, I, I give it give it a try. I get really fired up at that idea and it has a lot more to do than running the miles. It yeah. has
0: a, it has everything to do. With, that's where it's with starting it for me. That's where it's starting. And that's where it's starting. Yeah. And,
1: and when we talked about running with music or not, part of my motivation for saying trying without is because. There's, you have an opportunity to hear and see and smell and and feel things around yeah. you that otherwise you'd be blocking out. And it was different. And that and includes it your body, right? Yeah. But man, when you learn to listen to your body, that's a gift. And uh, that's very true. And so, yeah, I yeah. think um, I don't know where I was going with that,
0: but so I don't think it stopped there, though. So you had some some bad. Yeah. You hit the injury bug again, and it seems. A little bit serious. Yeah. A little bit more serious this time. So tell yeah, us about
1: that. Yeah. So I did go through several years ago. I went three surgeries in 18 months. I had two knee surgeries oh. and, and then, uh and I had my gallbladder out, which was emergency surgery. Okay. And they were all spaced roughly about the same apart, you know, about six months. And each time you come back, I came back a little slower. Yeah. And, um and so I was kind of losing that edge Yeah, and losing the mojo. And, uh, and so I, I started looking around again, asking those, those hard questions mm. of what's really important. What am I chasing after and why? Yeah. And I thought I was moving in the right direction again. And then my knee said, hello, but not a nice hello. Yeah. And long story short, it turns into it's diagnosed as arthritis. And largely they felt because of the I had had three surgeries on that knee over the yeah. years. And so just each time they go in and do the arthroscopic meniscus cleanup more, they're just taking more away. Yeah. And now the joint is saying, so I can run three or four miles twice a week, maybe okay. at, at like a 12 minute pace. Yeah. Like yeah, it's yeah. more of a shuffle than a run. It's enough. What I tell people, it's enough to scratch the runner itch.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But it's
1: far from satisfying.
0: So you're saying I might be able to keep up with you? Amen. That's oh my it. gosh! As I told you we could run together. I was man.
1: There. So, but the point now is, again, going to the lesson in that is, I have a choice. I have a choice. I can sit on the couch and say, "Well, you know what? I was a runner for forty years.
0: Yeah, praise God."
1: And then I'm gonna eat Oreos and watch Hallmark movies.
0: <laughs> Some tells me you or, made a different
1: choice. Or you could look around and say. So what's next? So maybe a relevant story is um, Tim, the guy with the kids at the Hunter Mile. Okay, yeah, this yeah, same yeah. guy, when I was coming up on 50 and I was starting to wrestle with this arthritis stuff yeah. and the would shoulda, couldas, and, and even with the coaching and the career path. And, and I was in this place of wrestling with, am I on the right path? And, uh, and I was, frankly, having a pity party. I'm coming on 50. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and Tim introduces me to a pastor who's 94 years old, still preaching.
0: 94 years old, still preaching.
1: But the kicker is, he says, and he didn't preach his first sermon until he was 50. Wow. So don't tell me about what a should have cut a. That was my. That was another one of those oh, reframe this. moments. Yeah. Who am I? No, instead of looking at 50 as I'm past all this. No, no, I've still got
0: all this. Uh, hopefully,
1: arguably decades. What am I gonna do with that? Yeah, and maybe I'm not gonna continue to find myself as a runner, but man, there's all this opportunity, and the question is, what well is the opportunity? Well, I started riding my bike more. Doesn't hurt my knees. It's not an impact. Yeah, and I'm starting to find joy in it because why? It's like you with just starting out the running. If I talk to you three weeks from now, those three mile runs, three four miles runs, which right now you're just trying to figure out, why am I doing this? Oh my right. Goodness. Yeah, yeah. I really believe a few weeks from now you're gonna be talking about how oh my gosh, it's amazing in terms of the, the feedback that you're going to get from yeah, your body and yeah. your energy and your mindset. And, well, I'm starting to feel that on the bike now, and I'm yeah. getting pretty excited about it. So the comeback, and in, uh, in, in, uh, so that, yeah, the, the idea of a comeback comes from what I wrote down in my, when I was, I, I wrote a scribble note here earlier, and what I said was wellness, wellness versus fitness. Wellness and I, versus fitness, and, yeah. and I'm at that point now where, as a grandpa, I would love to grow old well. Yeah, and and when I was younger, and I did tend to think more like an athlete. Well, now what I want to do is I want to celebrate all that I can do, mm-hmm. but do it in a way that honors this body and allows me to to be all that with my kids and my grandkids yeah. going forward. And yeah. and um and so wellness is an, is now a pursuit, and I've still yet to define exactly what it's going to look like, but that's really ideally, um, you know. I, good Lord willing, maybe there's an Iron Man in there and I'll kind of walk, jog the marathon. Don't let my wife know I said that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, we'll keep this a secret.
0: We'll keep this a secret. It's only going out to everyone, you know. Yeah, no problem there. So just an awesome story and some great little nuggets and some truth bombs. And I'm telling you, if you don't get value out of this, you uh, were struggling to listen at all. But just some great lessons, some great stories. And really the overall, I think, is to embrace it. Left foot, right foot, repeat. I think I love that. You know, how many times as an athlete, as a sports parent, in life in general, do we just need to go back to that simple process of left, right, repeat for a season, for a season? season. And they might eventually get you to, you know, the finish line. So, yeah, incremental steps can produce monumental results. I love it. I love it. We love one liners here. We love one liners here. So, ladies and (laughs) gentlemen, I'm telling you right now, this is the most humble man that I think I've ever met, especially one that has finished a 100 mile ultra, finished an Ironman, and done a ton of marathons, 5Ks, other Ironmans, all that stuff. Just, I'm telling you, just right now, sitting here, I mean, he's, in my mind, he's, you know, 10 feet tall and bulletproof when it comes to long distance and endurance stuff. And he's just sitting here like, oh, I've barely done anything. Um, But so that is a testament right there uh, for you athletes, for you sports parents. And I think that we've hit some really good lessons, even for you sports parents to take on. And, you know, how are you showing up for your athlete? You know, they're watching. They're watching way more than you think. You know, and don't forget of how you watched your, you know, your parents, your support group, whatever it was, they're watching. I mean, for me, I mean, my father, my dad is literally one of the main reasons that I do what I do now, you know? And do you think that way back when he was 30 years old yelling at me or whatever, he was hard on me, but whatever, I'm better for it now. Um, do you think he thought about all of that? Probably not. You think he when he had that little tiny conversation when I was in third grade football that he thought it'd make that kind of effect? Probably not. Right? He was probably he just saw an issue, was helping a boy, you know, mm. grow up and mature. But those little conversations make a big difference sometimes. Do you mind if I had one more thought? Absolutely. I was just connecting those little conversations to your moments yeah. throughout the races. That's those little those people, you know, when when your wife said that to you. Or when Tim said those little things, one little thing a took you another 20, 50, 100, you know, yeah. that many miles. And like, so those moments and those people are really what it's all about.
1: And if we build that as a as a library of resources, yes. so they don't necessarily need to be there in the moment, but you have them to call on, that's yes. huge.
0: Be able to drop in on that. Exactly. That's I love that. That's a great point.
1: So thinking about the parents of athletes that are listening. This just thought came to me. And, and honestly, it's a memory that I hadn't thought about in a long time. I was 13-ish. And I, literally, I remember like kind of crying out to my mom. Like, I just wish dad was proud of me. Yeah. And my mom said, oh, if you could only hear how he talks about you to all yeah. his friends. Yeah. And I'm like, but why can't he tell me? And she says, because he doesn't know how. Yeah. So I think if there's one thing I'd like to leave you with is, is to the parents of, of athletes is because my dad grew up so dysfunctional, mm-hmm. it wasn't a fault of his. It was just the way he was. He had no positive reinforcement yeah. in his life. And so I think a part of me is is maybe there was some damage that I did because I wasn't really equipped, but I've been trying to figure mm-hmm. it out. Absolutely. So what I would say to the parents out there, man, find a way to tell your kids in a constructive, healthy, yes. positive way that you really are proud of them. Uh-huh. Look at them in a way that, that see their gifts and see their talents, see their, you know, what positive energy they bring and celebrate that and yeah. let them know, man, you want to make a kid bulletproof. Just let them know that you really think they are, they are, you know, so true. That You're proud of them that you're proud of them. I Those mean, few
0: words. Can oh make, my gosh. Can change somebody's world. I'm proud of you. I mean, I could go back to like hearing my dad say that to me and, I mean, it was instant. 10 feet tall and bulletproof. Amen. No matter how bad I was doing or whatever, wherever my mind was, it was instant. Yeah. So I have that conversation. I think it, it's its so valuable, and you might not see it at the moment, but it will come out later, you know? Absolutely. Yep. Hey, thanks a lot for jumping on, guys. We really hope that you took some value out of this, and um, it was fun, right? That was a blast. We love it, man. I'm telling you, every time I do one of these, I always try to get into the moment of while wow, I wasn't expecting that question <laughs> yeah. or I've never told people this before. I'm always going for that. And I mean, it is not out of the norm to laugh, to cry, to get angry, to bring back some old memories. That is what I'm always going for on these podcasts, because it's like I almost feel like we're, that we're robbing our the audience because it's like when I get done with these. I'm just like so filled up. <laughs> it's just like, man, that was such a great time and I know there's some absolute value bombs that if, you know, people would just take these few little nuggets, it would literally change their athletic career, which will in turn change their life, you know, and it's like, just listen and apply, and you your performance, your results, and your life will go through the roof. Absolutely. Good stuff. Yes, awesome. So thank you so much for coming on with us. Yeah. It was great. For An me. awesome time. And uh, thanks a lot for listening. And We'll be back with you for another episode next week. Probably the biggest question I get is how does the mental game affect physical performance? Well, research and stats show that less than 30% of performance results come from talent and the physical skill set. This means that 70% or more of an athlete's achievement is not visible. It lies directly between the ears. An athlete who neglects to work on their mental game is leaving a vast amount of potential on the table. It's kind of like going to a concert and getting a lawn seat instead of the VIP package with front row seats and a backstage pass. Which one would you prefer? That's what I thought. The VIP Unforgettable Experience. This is why I created Maynard Leadership and developed my mental game coaching programs. I provide athletes the VIP experience and walk with you every step of the way on your journey to the next level. Book a 15-minute strategy session now at www.mainerleadership.com and we can dive into your specific opportunity. I'm doing this because you might not know where to start all this mental game stuff. And secondly, because I was right where you are and I want to help. You can also get a free sports grit quiz with full in-depth results emailed to you by going to mainerleadership.com and clicking the link. Again, just go to MaynardLeadership.com to book your free strategy session with me and to take the free sports grit quiz to get your results emailed to you. I challenge you now to push past average.